you need to get your act together, America. Hi, and welcome to Meet Your Heroes. I'm Audrey. And I'm Elliot. And this is a podcast where we dig into the lives of some of history's most notable people and share with you the parts that you didn't learn in high school history, even AP history. You wouldn't have learned these facts. No, honestly, I remember today's uh, hero from middle school. Mm. I, or rather, I remember not hearing about this hero's real life in middle school. Great, because I was about to compare this to page six, People Magazine, Us Magazine, gossip <laughs> column version of history. Yes. But yes. middle school is equal to that, right? Gossip columns? Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yes. yes. Nothing is more gossip column than middle school. Speaking of gossip columns, Ooh. how has reading the news been recently for you? Terrible. Absolutely Awful. terrible. Every day is a new hellscape. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. My favorite story as of the last 24 hours. Oh, in a real recent. The people in St. Louis... Who felt the oh, need yes, this got, yes. to protect their... Fortress of a home? Mansion? It's not a Mick mansion. No, it's like a, it's like a historical it's a, it's thing. It's a historic home that they've restored for like 30 years, right? They felt the need to defend this property with both an did, automatic did... rifle and also what appears to be... Beretta? I like the so. female version of a Beretta? Yes. Like, like a baby Beretta. A basically. baby Beretta. Yes. Right. That's a real thing. Yeah. yeah. From from a march that was just like a peaceful march, mm-hmm. which is, of course, menacing to them because it included black people, which is the whole point of this. Right. And threatened their white supremacy. Yes. But let's go back to this Beretta because for a second, I just want to talk about the 1988 Chevy Beretta that my aunt gifted me on my 16th birthday. <laughs> to be clear, Chevy Beretta is not a gun. It's not. It it's is, a car. Oh, it is a classic of a car if you have ever seen one. Five-speed, <laughs> manual, yes. just driving through the hills. Like how sporty on a scale from one to ten? Like sporty spice of the Spice Girls. This, okay, okay. This was the sporty spice of cars that Big you Beretta could have energy. had. What? Big Beretta energy is what we're talking about. I mean, okay, yes. <laughs> Big Beretta energy. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> you digress thoroughly. Right. Yes. The news cycle's been rough. It's been really rough. How's it been for you? Yeah, equally terrible. Uh, there oh, is... so we exist on the same time <laughs> space out... continuum. <laughs> yes. Turns out that there is one uh, ray of light for a certain subset of the mm. American populace. Is there? It, there is. There is. One of our global corporate overlords, which owns about 80% of all stories people consider important to their childhood, Oh, has deigned it the appropriate time to release a video rendition of the Alexander Hamilton musical this week. Oh, and this pleases you. Oh, well, like in celebration of our of our American anniversary here. You sure. Know, we got our uh this, this consider this the Meet Your Heroes like exceptionally patriotic edition of our of our podcast. Um Fantastic. If you had 
if you had blindfolded me, spun me around 15 times and asked me what week it was, there is no world in which I would have said the same week as <laughs> the 4th of July. <laughs> yeah. God. So for several days, let's be clear, for several days, I've been like, is that gunshots? And then I'd be like, oh, no, that's just fireworks. Right. And and we're not even living in one of those cities where the fireworks have been going off for weeks. Yeah. At this point. It's been mostly gunshots <laughs> <laughs> to, to this to this point. So you know far. what? That baby Beretta hits different it when does. it's 4th of July. It does. <laughs> Don't shoot your guns in the air, PSA. Oh Don't my shoot God. your fucking no. guns in the air. Also, it's a terrible idea, and it kills people. Don't do it. But I digress. Okay. Disney's so... Alexander Hamilton movie. Yay! <laughs> that is the good news of the week. Yes, it is. Originally, not supposed to come out till the end of next year. Oh, but wow. But they were like, yeah, but they were going to sell tickets... Mm-hmm. To in-person shows until no, then. No, they weren't. I mean, yeah, they were supposed to like tour in... it for another two more years. Oh, you mean the Broadway show, not yes. Disney church no. in-person <laughs> like that, tickets no. to see a recorded no. version. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, they were gonna like keep touring this thing. So, as longtime listeners of the podcast will remember, uh, one one half of this dynamic duo happened to have been so lucky as to see one of the touring productions of Hamilton as it came through. That would be me. That would be you. And as longtime listeners of the podcast would know slash recognize, I personally am really averse to seeing anything that's cool or trendy. It's not rooted in logic. It's the same reason I've never seen a Star Wars or... uh, Yeah, that's true. It's the same reason I had to be shamed into watching Lord of the Rings. Not by me. Let's be clear. I still haven't finished Harry Potter. And at this point, fuck J.K. Rowling. I'm not not going going to. to. Exactly. (laughs) Looking for some much better alternatives at this point. It's it's just like the pop culture, like, phenoms. Okay, yes. That I, like, reactively bristle against. Yes. For no good reason. Like, I recognize it's probably against my own interest to to not indulge in things that inspire the vast majority of people to... Like, flock to that yeah, content. Yeah, but in fairness, right? So, like, it has been a couple of years now where, like, Hamilton's been in the cultural, like, you know, people wrote articles about it mm-hmm. ethos, and nobody's been able to see it, right? Like, vast Fair. majority of people have not been able to. So, like, yeah, you're talking about, like, this subset of generally New York-based opinion writers being like, oh, this is a great way to, like, showcase democracy, and people being like, mm, they were all still pretty big douchebags. Um, so <laughs> what makes you feel good about it? So, yeah. So I don't think the impulse is wrong. For the record, I think it's a good musical. I'll put it this way. I think it is as good a musical as Legally Blonde the Musical, okay. which is also a great musical. So to be fair, if Legally Blonde the Musical came to our city, I would see it. Yes, it is it's, not, a, good, it's th- a good show. There is nothing rational about my impulse to like shirk these overly, like, wildly popular shows. I still read People.com every day. (laughs) This is not an elitist (laughs) argument against the zeitgeist. This is just an impulse. Yeah. I can't explain it. It's your counterculture just showing. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, fair enough. Uh, Here's... Welcome to today. So, today's hero, Alexander Hamilton. Mm, Can't wait. No, nothing. Nothing. Tell me about what you know him. about Alexander Hamilton. I know I know more about Lynn 
Manuel Miranda <laughs> than I know about Alexander Hamilton. And that is honest to God, straight from the pages of people.com. <laughs> okay, okay. So so let me see. If I were to tell you that he is on a certain denomination of a dollar bill, which one is it? Can you guess? I wanna say five dollars. <laughs> Oh, rough. But that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> the $1 bill? No. Who's on the $1 bill? George Washington. Yes! That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. The $100 bill, who's on it you know from rap oh, songs? Benjamin Franklin. Yes. Okay. Not a president. <laughs> Obviously. Yes. So, there's a 5, $10? a 10, and a 20. A, a 5, and a, a five a 10, and a 20? Yeah, that's left between those. I okay. guess there's a 50. I don't know who's on the 50. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I but, actually feel like I know who's on a 50. Oh, shit. Who's on the 50? Uh, I feel like that's Grant on the 50. Oh, interesting. Maybe you must be right. I'm going to yeah. guess you're I'm going to assume you're right. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm okay. just like. We're well, narrowing it down. I'm a little bit bougie. So okay. I know it's on the 50 and the 100. Um, what are my choices? <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Hamilton, the $10 bill. Oh, the okay, $10 bill. <laughs> yes. So first of all. I don't ever have cash. And to be fair, you know this. I am always asking you for cash. Yes. Like actual dollar bills. My money is entirely electronic and made up. Totally like in all Bitcoin. Money. Totally in Bitcoin, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. yes. Uh, okay, so Alexander Hamilton. Other than being on the $10 bill, which you now right. know. I actually did know that. Okay. I was just fucking around with you. Yeah. I just really convenient, want our listeners to know yes. that I know <laughs> I know who are on our dollar bills. Mm-hmm. I mean, I taught third grade math. Who's on the 20? That's basically, <laughs> it's just third grade math. Andrew Jackson. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, so other than being on a $10 bill, mm-hmm. generally lumped in with the founding fathers, anything else you know about him? No, I was not exaggerating when I said... I do not know anything about this person. All right. All right. Well, then buckle up. Let's get to know this week's hero. Hit me with it. One Mr. Alexander Hamilton. Cannot wait. All right. So Alexander Hamilton Mm -hmm. is born 1757. My favorite year. That's what you always say. (laughs) Sure. Um, Do you want to be more specific or is this just a skip right over the astrology? Skip. I'm not even going to entertain the astrology here. Yes. Do you know nothing about our followership and what they want? They got to listen in next week then because I'm not going to give it to them. Okay. Okay. Um, his parents. Do you hear that? Do you hear that, followers? He doesn't care about you. <laughs> I do. I spend the extra six and a half minutes every week to Google what somebody else said about a random person in history's birthday. Not even, not even giving you that respect. Nope. Doesn't, it's just, it's six just and a half minutes of your time. Doesn't Straight even care up about it. Rude. <laughs> yes. The rudest. Okay, seventeen fifty seven. Parents were not married. Whoa, At the time scandal. A bit of scandal. Mm-hmm. His father is like Scottish. His mother is like French. There's rumors that she's mixed race because he's born in the Caribbean. This has been circulating for many years. They actually one of the authors of a biography a few years back did a DNA test on some of his hair. He is white, right? Okay. He has no African ancestry to speak of, sure. except for the fact that we all come from Africa, if you go far enough back. But, like, the reason I, I stress this for a moment is because when you, if you ever watch this musical, Lin-Manuel Miranda plays Alexander Hamilton. Okay. Right? The whole thing is, like, 
they take these rumors of his mixed race heritage and they build it up into a like very black actor centric story. Alexander Hamilton is very white. Okay. Even if he has some African ancestry that like we aren't aware of, he looks very white. He passes as very white and he enjoys all the privileges of being white his entire life. Sure. The fact that he is like born in the Caribbean uh, does not dilute his whiteness. So please don't, please don't have any like lasting sympathy that he's like trying to navigate the world as a person of color. Just like please implant in your heads to start the story. He's a white guy. Just know that like his life story is both firmly planted in this history of whiteness and European ancestry and also like trying to establish that because he lacked the one advantage that most people had, which is like having married parents. Okay. Um, let's assume that's an advantage. Sorry. That, yes. <laughs> if you are of a certain social status of European ancestry, like this is a thing that like cements your place in society and he lacks it. Do we know why his parents weren't married? Yeah, so there's some family drama on his mom's side where she was in and out of relationships, eventually moves back to the Caribbean Isles where, like, she had, you know, family connections from at some point because her family colonized those islands at some point. Sure, that's right. That's how it works. Yes, and then his, his mom meets some Scottish guy who's in those islands as well, and they get together. Uh, but his, mom, his mom's ex isn't officially divorced, and so hmm. when the mom meets the new Scottish guy and they conceive Alexander, it's a little bit of a tricky situation. Got it. So kind of like when Kim Kardashian oh, was pregnant with Kanye West's child, mm -hmm. but still married yeah. to... Yeah, thanks. I want to say Chris Humphreys, <laughs> but God, it's I, been a million years. The fact years. that you made me remember Chris <laughs> Humphreys' name, I will resent you for. Yes. So like that. Yes, like where, kind of, that where kind of there's situation. like there's this this legal gray area. Things needed to be expedited, and the most important thing was essentially not to have the ex be legally responsible or have the power to influence the trajectory of a child's life. Yeah, well, but the ch the children were not a major concern for most people. But, oh, but what was I mean. So, Listen. So here's what happened. Seventeen hundreds children were not a concern the for Scottish, most people. <laughs> yes, that's accurate. <laughs> Ten years old, the Scottish dude who is Alexander's biological father mm -hmm. pieces out of these islands and is like, "See ya." Ah. Next year, two years later, basically when he's eleven, mom dies. Ah. Yeah. So now there's no bio dad. Rough go. No mom. Yikes. All so all of a sudden, well, all the property that his mom had in the in these. West Indies, like the islands mm -hmm. that he could inherit, the guy who's married legally to the mom claims back in Denmark. Just Yikes. takes all takes all the property, including the slaves, by the way. Okay, so, so the land that the mom stole, the ex-husband. Yeah, the land that the mom stole and the slaves that the mom, quote unquote, enslaved. took claim to. Enslaved. Let's not call them slaves. They are enslaved, enslaved pe people. Enslaved people that the mom took claim to, right? All of this agreed upon property, mm -hmm. the ex-husband back in Denmark is going to lay claim to and leave Alexander Hamilton and his brother penniless. Okay. Most 11-year-olds I know are penniless. Yes. Um, but also generally have parents. This one penniless and parentless. Yes. Ugh. There's a cousin here who like takes Alexander in in the West Indies, like in the same islands. A couple years later dies by suicide. Alexander and, the, and his brother are just like washed up. 
So Alexander is like, what am I going to do? So he starts a trading desk. He, he's working a trading desk. So there's like ships coming in. You're like filling out forms like, oh, these people sold this to these people. And like, okay. before there was Excel, you're like writing this shit out by hand. This is what Alexander Hamilton does. Right. And he's it, like 15, 16? Yeah. So at this like, point. At the age that so I would be a lifeguard. He's like 12, 13, 14. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, fuck, if you, you got to eat, right? Mm-hmm. And he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your lifeguarding years. He's like writing out invoices for. Uh, people trading slaves and sugar and molasses ah. and stuff. Um, but it's much heavier. Yeah. Does it well. Okay. Smart. Reads a couple books. Decides he's going to fucking leave this life behind and go make it in New York. He's like, fuck poverty. I am going to like come up from my, like, I have no birth lineage, right? I can't marry into a good family, right? Like, I'm just going to like. I'm going to fucking take him. Okay, what does he have to lose at this point, right? Sure. He's seen he's seen what abject property looks like. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to make this happen. Right. So moves to New York City. Uh, starts at King's College. King's College is eventually going to get renamed Columbia. Mm. But for right now, it's King's College because there's like a king for the Americas and all that. It's pre-revolutionary sure. war. Starts learning about the revolution. Is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to be a revolutionary. Takes up this cause. Uh, starts writing and speaking in support. Just like... You know, imagine any, like, 15, 16-year-old, like, their political opinions. Super loud, super obnoxious. Great. We're talking, like, 1770s here? Early 1770s. 1773. Okay. Yes. Oh, you know, we heard about that in the uh, Boston Tea Party What do you know? Episode. Yeah, should starting to go down, right? About that time. Uh, so, 1775, he's in college for a couple years. He had to take some courses to catch up, but, like, he's there. He's in college. Lexington and Concord happens. Sure does. And for those of you who are, you know, familiar with U.S. history, that is the first, quote unquote, battle of the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. That's when it all kicks off. So Hamilton's like, I'm going to join up in the student militia. That's what he does. They, they basically do like drills before classes, they study military tactics and history. He also like takes time on his own to study uh, like military tactics specifically because he's like, when it comes, when it goes down, I'm gonna be ready. Sure. <laughs> and um, yeah, so then there's this battle that happens under like people firing on him. Him and his little like student militia group go and steal some actual British cannons. Oh. So like, imagine going from like little muskets to like having like fucking you know cannons, eight hundred pound cannons shooting cannonballs at people. I actually um, can't imagine that. Okay. Cannot imagine yeah, so, what I so would imagine do with a you like, like somebody's <laughs> shooting guns at you, but you're sneaking into a place. You steal these cannons, and now you and your like 17 year old friends like, we got fucking cannons, y'all. <laughs> so like, now congratulations, Alexander Hamilton leads a revolutionary war contingent that has cannons. Wow. Through the law of, I took them and I have them. <laughs> like, oh, is this the origin of the sea want take movement? This, I mean, this is a good example of it. It's mm. longstanding history, mm-hmm. yes. Um, so, yeah, so the next year, 1776, he is 19 years old, and he's just, like, leading battles around New York <laughs> as a captain of a cannon unit. Like, wow. Yeah, artillery. He, they, have, they have an artillery unit now. Fought in the Battle of Princeton the next year. He's 20 years old. Um, that is one of the battles where General Washington shows up and is there. Mm. Basically, they... So the British were trapped in. So they're in New Jersey now. He's gone from like New York to New Jersey. Okay. At, on Princeton's campus, the British soldiers are in this building called Nassau Hall, and they're like some of them are treated, some of them are trapped in there, like shooting out the windows. And Hamilton's like, "Hey, y'all, you want to get in there?" 
don't worry, I got some fucking cannons. <laughs> and Washington's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm a 20-year-old that like, stole some cannons, y'all. So then they literally just fire the cannons at this building until the British surrender. Wow. And Washington's like, I like your style. Where'd you get those cannons? <laughs> like, I stole them. Like, oh, good for you. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so... Okay, so I like the I I like this gentle fellow up to now. Yeah, he's he, yeah got Do got, all right. got some rascally rapscallion nature to him. Yes, mm-hmm. remember his whole goal is like I'm gonna be somebody. A couple years earlier, before this happens, one of the reasons why he's being so audacious about this okay. is he's like, I want to be somebody in this new world. This revolution's mm-hmm. gonna happen. So even before it starts, he's like, I'm going to be somebody by earning a name in battle. Okay, he's like. I am going to like set up. I will make the Hamilton name a name through my battle glory because I don't have a family history. Like I couldn't marry into a, some family right now as like a bastard, quote unquote. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. My parents weren't married. Like I have no society to fall back on. I have zero money. Nobody's going to sure. marry for my wealth. So I'm going to have to be a war hero. So the whole time, part of the lens that he's taken to this is like, what's the most ridiculous shit I can do to just like earn enough respect so that in this new country where all slates are basically wiped clean, mm-hmm. I can be somebody respectable. And this is what he settles on. I mean, that impulse, right? That impulse to be somebody, to make a name for yourself, especially independent of having a safety net to fall back on. That is a very real impulse. We see a lot of people making a variety of decisions along a continuum of good to terrible yeah. throughout history, that core need to be seen, yeah, to be somebody, to feel worthy of recognition. That is, that is a very true and real impulse that most humans do not express through the uh, capture and then execution of cannons but honestly if there are those of you out here feel that impulse (laughs) and you're looking for a good channel now Now is is the the fucking time yes yes go do it it is it is very real i just want to recognize that 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 to me feels like a very human moment for him to be like i have nothing i have no one but i want to be someone yes i want to be somebody yeah so Several people see Hamilton as, like, the kind of guy who's going to be like, all right, I'll run in, I'll steal some cannons, but also I read a lot of books when I was a kid. I can read and write. I can do Excel spreadsheets with, you know, Quill or whatever they do. Those people, though, are in high demand. So several different generals write to Hamilton, make him an offer to be their number twos. Wow. Well, because if you're a general, you're leading troops and stuff, but there's a lot of, like, paperwork that goes along with being a general. And so sure. you need somebody who, like, isn't, isn't afraid to be on the battlefield but also can read and write and can do a lot of these higher-level tasks. I have, until this moment, fully and totally underestimated the amount of paperwork required to be a revolutionary oh, general. It's so much fucking paperwork. Like, literally, so what? it's called an aide-de-camp, aide-de-camp, right? Sure. And it's still a term in use today. Mm-hmm. Um Hamilton turns down like several offers from different generals because he's like, I don't want to do paperwork. Like, that's not going to be my road to glory in this. He's like, you don't understand. He's like, I'm going to be the guy who goes out and like, you know, shoots from on top of the, you know, hill and like Mm -hmm. gets my glory there. Um, Eventually, though, General Washington says, like, I would like you to be my number two. And he just can't refuse that. Like, 
Right. Washington is the head honcho here. So and this he is, accepts. This is the difference for people who watch The Office between Dwight Schrute being assistant <laughs> yes, to, to the, the regional, regional manager. manager and assistant regional manager. Yes, he is like firmly in the assistant regional manager. Okay. Camp. But here's the thing. So when you're like, I can't imagine there being paperwork with the Revolutionary General. We have papers today that show like part of Hamilton's job in this is literally like he's making up paperwork to like order blankets. <laughs> right? Like that's what he's doing. Yeah. It's not that I can't imagine it. It's I've never until this moment thought about it. Yeah. Because like, like you're general, you got like thousands of guys out here, right? You got sure. like 5,000 guys in your most recent, you know, you know, deployment and you're like, Got to get some fucking blankets for the winter. Who's going to do that? General Washington isn't doing that fucking paperwork. He's like, right. Hamilton, go fill out a blanket requisition. And that's okay. what Hamilton's doing. Wow. Um, and he takes it because because Washington is like this leader, uh, like the supreme leader of the revolutionary forces. Mm. But Hamilton's like, man, this is fucking paperwork job sucks. <laughs> he's like, this is no good. Like he's, sure. it's, a, it's a very grim thing. Like he's handling, handing letters to Congress and other generals. Like mm. he's writing them and like delivering them. A lot he's like, fewer cannons. Yeah, he's, he dra- he's like drafting orders. He's doing like negotiations and diplomacy. Like rec- Yeah, it, it is an extremely boring job compared to stealing cannons to hold the British hostage. Sure. As um, someone who has led activists... On the front lines mm-hmm. for many years. What I can tell you is the further you get from boots on the ground, the more paperwork there is. Yeah, it's a lot of paperwork. It's mostly paperwork, almost exclusively paperwork at a certain point. Yeah, that's all it becomes. I've I've never thought of it. Enlightening. So three years into this, uh, he's like 23 years old. Okay. Um, he has like, it's not how he thought he would do it. But he has a little bit of battle experience, and he's now, like, the number two of the revolution. And so he secures a spot and marries um, Elizabeth Eliza Schulier, who is the daughter of one of the richest families in New York. So he is officially, like, marrying into wealth and society in a way that he never thought possible. Mm -hmm. And from here on out... He is upper class. Like he did. He 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 went from being a an orphan in like the out you know outstanding territories of like the West Indies to being the key to the revolution and in the upper society higher class. And now from this point on, like he is just going to milk that for all it is worth. He's like, I've made it. They start almost immediately. They have eight kids over the next many I mean, that's how it works about birth control. Yeah. You start almost immediately (laughs) and without any sort of planning. Suddenly, you got eight Eight. fucking kids running around. Too many. Mm -hmm. Too many kids. Okay. Eight kids. Having gotten married at 23, been number two of the revolution to, you know, General Washington. He's just a wonderkind. Yes. About a year later... At 24, starting to kind of get tired of this corporate gig. Oh, is, yes. that, is that when the burnout happens? Yeah. I mean, like, think about it. He'd gone from, like, stealing British cannons and, like, fucking shit up to now he's got a paperwork job mm-hmm. and a wife with between one and eight kids, right? <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how many they had in the first year. My guess is closer to one. He's like, for my legacy, I want this chance to fight. And he keeps... Asking Washington, he's like, let me go out and shoot some shit, please. Like, let me go out and kill some people. And Washington's like, I need you here. There's not that many guys who can shoot 
and write words on paper. <laughs> so please oh, no. stay. And he's like, I want to get out of here. They have they have some fights. They have like some quarrels. Washington chews him out over something. He's like, fuck it, I quit. And wow, it was sensitive. Like, but he's like, I quit unless you let me go and be a soldier and command some soldiers. Mm. And finally. He gets his way. He gets he gets named commander commander to like three battalions, basically. Mm-hmm. Roughly, that would usually be like five hundred soldiers a battalion. It seems like, Whoa. yeah, it looks like he ends up only getting to command right like roughly four or five hundred soldiers total. Right. If I'm someone expected to lay my life down for my country, the thing that I would really want is to have a twenty five year old. In charge of my life. I mean, you... That and the other 1,400 people around You me. say that, but, like, let's start the list of reasons. One, have you met the current U.S. Army? Have you <laughs> met any army, right? Yeah. 25 is, like, old by a lot of standards in that day and age. It's, an, it's a really imperfect system. A lot of our complacency with the current world mm-hmm. is based on the fact that a lot of teenage and early 20s people are willing to shoot guns at each other. And so... Yeah. When you become 25, you're like the old wise one in that group. It's like that inverse relationship between like ego and rationality, right? Like up until you're 25 and your brain is fully developed, ego is driving that train. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, Okay. Hamilton gets his wish. Sure. Right? Eventually, after throwing his fit, gets to command these like four or 500 troops. Um, There's the Battle of Yorktown. And this little group of revolutionary soldiers with some other people basically forced the surrender of 8,000 British troops in what is the end of the Revolutionary War for all intents and purposes. There will be no other Revolutionary War battles. It will take two years until they actually, like, sign the treaties into the paperwork, which is a long time, right? Like, to have a last battle and then, like, not actually have it all wrapped up with a, you know, official signature for two years. But I mean, every time you have to send a note across know, the, yeah. you know, Atlantic Ocean, it's like three months. Yeah. But basically, Ham- Hamilton's impulse was right, though. Right. Like, sure. If I don't get to fight now, I'm never going to get to fight. And he got to fight once and like forced. So congratulations. Yay. Uh, 1782. Fighting's over. They're British are like, fine, do your own thing. Be a country. Now you got 13 colonies and like, oh, what the fuck do we do? It's sort of that like um, promotion to incompetence <laughs> idea, right? Where yes. people are like Dunning, really... The Dunning-Kruger effect. Sure. They're really good at their job and they continue to get promoted, continue to get promoted. And then at a certain point, they're managing other people and realize like, oh, managing other people is an entirely different skill set than doing the job itself. Totally different skill set. Right? And the Dunning-Kruger yes. effect assume like you assume that you're the smartest person despite having the least amount of information. Yeah. And so what that means is like every single person is going to ultimately end up in a job that they're bad at mm-hmm. because they're good at the job before that. Right. And then all of a sudden they'd be like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Totally, totally different skill set. That is the American colonies right now, right? <laughs> uh, oh, 17, good. 18, they're so, like, oh. Yeah. Solid foundation. Yeah. So they're done shooting people. They're like, okay, what's going to happen? So Hamilton goes back to New York. Um, he dropped out of school. They Columbia basically like closed up shop for a while. I don't know if you remember what hap- happened at Princeton, but yeah, weren't a lot of classes going on. Right. Uh, so Hamilton basically studies himself, just reads a lot, and passes the bar, becomes a lawyer in New York, uh, and then ends up appointed to Congress because he had been a 
second to General Washington, married into a rich family. So that's the kind of person that gets appointed to Congress at this stage in I mean, history. Back then, but definitely not today. Yeah, that's over now, it's right? Exactly. Nepotism and wealth has nothing to do with congressional appointments. Yeah, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so what's going to happen? So there's this there's this current meeting of these different colonies, the Congress of Confederation, right? Um, it was around for like seven years after the war, uh, but before we had any other constitution. Hamilton is shitting all over this from the very beginning. Okay. He's like, look, this is like a technical agreement between these like 13 little colonies, but y'all have no idea what you're doing. There's no power here. You've got all these debts from the war, but they can't tax. They have no legal ability to tax anything. They're literally asking states to send money. <laughs> They're like, please. Like, like, please, if you've got any. Yeah, like, just send us something. Um, he was trying to get them to, states to sign up for this tax plan that's like 5%. They wouldn't. And so, so at this point, Hamilton realizes, like, we have no power as a country because we have no money. And we have no ability to get money. And as, so a, as like a collective as As a collective country. country. Right? Each Individuals individu- have money. Each individual state has like got some resources. But he's like realizing like, oh, if you're going to consolidate this power into one thing and mm-hmm. call it one country, yep. there has to be a way to get the money from all these places into one thing. Right. That's, like, what, that's literally what King George III was trying to do. Yeah. Well, but, but Hamilton is now seeing this. So he gets – Hamilton gets a lot of criticism throughout the next few decades as being a very – monarchist sympathizer like he's very big on this monarchist model as we'll as we'll see but at this point he is like appointed a congressman and like there are soldiers who had been promised uh pensions Mm. for our for our millennial and gen z listeners who don't know what the (laughs) fuck a pension is this is this insane thing where somebody says you work a job for a little while and then we will pay you some money not quite your whole salary but like some money Mm -hmm. every year forever the only people who get pensions now are like some small subset of like retired teachers who like retired like back in the day sure. and police officers apparently because that's what we fucking found out some George Floyd's unions. fucking killers are going to get a million dollars Breonna Taylor's killers are going to get a yeah. million dollars because they're going to get paid even if they get fired they're going to get paid like 30 grand a year every year until they die because they got a quote unquote pension right it's some I mean I'm going to say it's some bullshit because it's some bullshit because only certain people get it yeah it's a reasonable thing if you work a certain job for a long enough period of time and you've paid into it I guess but like there's no anyway there's no financial stability to this. But pension was promised to these soldiers who fought in the Revolutionary War. Yeah. There's and n- and pensions as a concept are generally held over people's head in order to get them to enlist in high stakes jobs. Yes. Jobs that are hard to recruit for. Jobs that are hard to recruit for typically don't require an excessive amount of education. And that sort of stability is... Comforting. Yeah, it's the ability to provide stability to people in the absence of other mechanisms. Right. But as it turns out, in this point in the revolutionary history, they promised us this pension and they were like, oh, ain't got no money. Sorry, y'all. We were asking for money. They're not sending it. Uh, hold up. We'll try our best. They're not paying the pensions that they promised. So, like, at this point, it's an IOU. So all these people that fought in the war, like, defeated the British Empire, which is like this now incredible have empire. War, like, war abilities. Yes. <laughs> Who are not getting their money. Yes. Uh, Are, seems yeah, dicey. They're pissed. So 
Hamilton 26 and soldiers start marching towards Philadelphia. Philadelphia is being is like the seat of the country at this oh, point. No. And they're like, they're fucking pissed. They're like, we want our money. Does, doesn't Rihanna have a song about that? Did she write that about the soldiers? Yes. That's about this time period. <laughs> that's about exactly. the time period? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, if you think about it, this has been a recurring theme. If you ever fight a big war and you have a lot of guys who are good at fighting wars or even if they aren't good at it, who have the trauma of fighting wars and then are like sitting at home waiting to get paid, even if they do get paid, that's like a tense situation. And if they don't get paid, it's a lot more tense. The backup plan they have is that Hamilton moves the entire Congress that he's been appointed to out from Philadelphia back to New Jersey. He's like, let's just retreat, like, <gasps> no. skip town. So now the soldiers show up and, like, they aren't there and they're pissed. Hamilton is really angry because he's like, look, this is not going to work long term for a country. Like, we need some money to pay these people. So at 26-year-old, he resigns Congress. He's like, oh. Fuck this. Uh, No, not going to do this. You need to get your act together, America. So now Hamilton is like, politics, not where I'm going to make my mark. I've got my wife who's going to have my eight babies. I'm married (laughs) into society. He's like, what can I do with my life? Now, there's there's this impasse, right? He could become a champion for these people who were like him. Yes. Lower class, fighting for the same causes. Or he could just be like, I fucking got mine and fuck all y'all. You know, I feel like if we've learned nothing from this podcast, it's not going to be the endearing one. It's not going to be the endearing one. Hamilton decides he's going to start a bank and become a banker. He founds the Bank of New York, which still exists today. Bank of New York, it's called BNY Mellon. It's not actually his first bank that he's attempted to start. He's attempted to start <laughs> banks before. Okay. Uh, it's just the first one that like is actually successful. Sure. After how many failed banks do you think I'm going to start another one? <laughs> yeah, right. He starts several banks. Oh, Yeah, because wow. here's the thing. Starting a bank is a great way to make money, it turns out, if you can get in on this. As we're going to find out, though, it helps to have the advantage of the government behind you. Mm. Mm-hmm. So he starts his bank. Banks are this type of institution where like you need to have a lot of people's trust but it's a weird thing to start this early in a country because there's not a lot that's like guaranteed i would imagine based on all the things i know about the late 1700s most assets are fairly liquid and or wrapped up in property yeah so so property is the big thing if you're rich you own property yes most of the money is going around Mm-hmm. Is actually Spanish currency at this point. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, because like you needed a big country that everybody trusted. This is a brand new country. It doesn't have any money. Each of the states has their own money, but like, there's no American money at this point. He decides he's going to get into the money business. And the reason, the impulse here is because he's been doing a lot of reading about the Bank of England and how the English empire worked and all these things. And he's starting to mm. understand this like combination, this like Venn diagram overlap between the political power. Mm-hmm. And that's one big thing. But also there's a separate economic power. He understands that there is this political power that they have just established with the new country. Mm-hmm. But also that there is this economic power. Sure. And it is a totally different set of things to get there. But when they overlap, that combination is incredibly powerful and incredibly hard to defeat. Mm. And he wants that power for himself. I mean, who among us? In particular, him. He opens his Bank of New York. He provides the... New United States with its first loan. Remember, wow. he resigned he's... Congress because he's like, mm. they don't have any money. So he's like, I got this idea. I'm going to start a fucking bank. Then what does he do? He's like, hey, America, heard you need some money. Mm-hmm. 
he loans them some money. From his wife's coffers? So he has his wife's coffers, but he also like takes shareholders, right? So there's some other rich people. Uh. There's this one rich dude who owns like 12% of the bank totally by himself. Like, okay. like he's basically going to the 1% and being like, buy into this. I got an idea. And he's like, once we pull our money, we go back to America and we're like, hey, hey, America, heard you need some money. Now mm. we have some control over America itself. Yikes. Which is like a brand new opportunity that did not exist before. Mm-hmm. And he is on the ground floor. Um, it paid the salary. The very first salaries of U.S. Congress people and President George Washington are paid from the bank that Alexander Hamilton starts. Like he understands these mechanisms of power. Yeah. Right. And once you do that loan, then you're like, OK, so now if you if you have this control, like now you can start to shape the conversation. Don't um, love that. When the New York Stock Exchange opens, like a few years later, Bank of New York, this bank, Alexander Hamilton starts, is the first stock that is ever traded. Like this is like the core. If, if you're going back to like the original moment when money entered American politics, like in a deep way that was like mm. shaping the priorities of American politicians, like Alexander Hamilton is the person you have to thank for that. He's 29 now. Been running a bank for a couple of years. Okay. Like two, like two years. Yeah. I feel behind schedule. Alexander Hamilton's like, y'all are dicking around with this like little agreement between the states to do something. He's like, no, no, no. You need a new constitution. He writes this, he writes this resolution. He drafts it. He's like, I think y'all need to get together and have a brand new constitution. Wow. And you know what? It picks up steam. People agree. He's 30. Constitutional like convention. This is... This is the moment. Everybody gets together. Alexander Hamilton's like, we have fought and died for these freedoms. We've fought off the British. I stole their fucking cannons. We've got this brand new government we're going to do. We should elect a president for life who is just like a king and elect all of our senators for life who are basically like House of Lords. And we should just be a monarchy again. And people are like, what? Oh, yeah. Not ideal. But, you know, because he's like, he's like in it now. And he's like, I was poor. But like, if I can get this gig for life. Right. Let's do it. And people are like, no, 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 no. Like, we, did you see the people that died out there? Like, we did not want a king. And he's like, come on. People ignore him. Like, they're like, that's, that's ridiculous. He was willing to fight for it, but didn't, didn't succeed. When he's arguing with people about having a president for life and having all these senators for life, they're like, we the people want to have self-government. And he's literally like, take out the self-government part and put in the quote unquote rich and well-born should have this power. Mm, explicitly? Yeah, because honestly, ah. he's not well-born, right? Mm-mm. His parents weren't married, but he's rich at this point. And right? He's like, It's inclusive. Yeah, he's like, can we <laughs> codify just like the group that has me in it? And people are like, no, we were hoping for something like a little bit more democratic, at least on paper. Right. It. We're all slave owners and all, but like, come on, you got to like make it sound good. Sure. Um, yeah, his drafts all get ignored, basically. It's 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 either too complicated or it just it sounds like a monarchy. Basically, it's monarchy with extra steps is what he's asking for. Eventually, so they draft this new constitution, which has like the three branches that we all mm-hmm. know and love and despise. It comes up for a vote and Hamilton's like, you know what? It's the best what they got. We're going to go for it. <laughs> sure. he, he gets on board. He's like, it's an improvement from this like thing that couldn't even like collect any taxes. Great. Mm-hmm. So... So he's like, okay, so now we got to get this power passed. He's like, I have clawed my way up to this. We got to get this constitution passed. It has to be, has to be approved by two thirds of these colonies. He's like, how can I support this? So today it would be like a YouTube series. I don't know. He'd like mm. tweet storm. He decides he's going to write, and he gets John Jay and James Madison to help him, and they decide to write something called the Federalist Papers. There are eighty-five of these. 
He is so pumped. He's going to write 51 of them himself. So he's writing the vast majority. Uh, they just laid this out like a content calendar. They're like, no, there's 85 of no, them. So, I'm going to take 51. No, no, no. So they agree specialties. They're like, okay, so what's your area of expertise? Basically, Hamilton is going to take the stuff that's about like banks and government-ish stuff. And then I forget John Jay and Madison's particular expertise, but basically nobody can keep up. He's, he's just writing the vast majority because he's just writing like a maniac. I mean, it must be such a wild time to consider yourself a lawyer at a time when there's like a fundamentally different constitution. Yeah. Right. Like your entire job is based on interpretation and implementation of something that's already kind of vague, like a set of social structures. But when they're undergoing complete transformation and you're a quote unquote lawyer, you're kind of just like precedent setting willy-nilly. Yeah. Can you imagine arguing in a, in, in a courtroom and just being like, well, Your Honor, uh, we've never fucking done this before, but... <laughs> and I say we should do blank, blank, blank. Yeah. And then, like, for hundreds of years, people are going to be like, well, that one time when they had this and did this <laughs> thing, so like, why not? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's a it's a head rush, yes. Um, So he... But he he's like, he sees his opportunity, and he, that's why he's writing this. He's writing these papers out. He does it. He writes these papers... Uh, ultimately gets the popular majority or, well, the people who had to vote to support this to, to support it. And uh, by the time he's 31 the next year, the Constitution is ratified. They, they got the nine of the 13 states they needed. Eventually get 11 of the 13. And then they're like, okay, we have a new Constitution. It is done. We're a country. This is our Constitution. We are the United States of America. Got to fucking put a government together. Right. And I think just to clarify, misunderstanding for people. A lot of folks think that the Declaration of Independence in 1776 is the same as the Constitution, and it's not. Oh, no, no, no. But I, I just want to clarify that for all the people I went to high school with, <laughs> yes. it's not the same. Declaration of Independence is like, you're our king, and you fucking suck, so we're, yes. we're out of here. Yes, but people, when they talk about the Constitution, they talk about it as this entity that existed pre-American Revolution. No, yeah, there's this whole, like, several years where you're like, what the fuck are we going to do with this place now? Right, we're like, what are we going to do? 1776, pow, pow, pow. Literally, no standards by which we're operating. Yeah, so it, there's a lot of people who refer to Washington as the father of the country, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Hamilton is really the father of the government, per se, right? Got like, the, the government of the country is shaped by Hamilton in this time period because, like, they, they got a country... And when they got it, the British surrendered. They were like, okay, fine, you take over. Fine, we'll leave. Go for it. And there's no fucking government in this place. Sure. Right? Well, you're not really helping the shame that I feel about not knowing anything about Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so all of the, there's a lot of shitty stuff about our government that is going to be his fault. Don't worry. Okay. Um, to be fair, up until this moment, I didn't care about any of it. Yeah, so, so we, get, we get this government, right? Uh, Washington, who has like, been this general and the hero, is elected the president. Hamilton's 32 at this point. And Washington is going to name three people to his cabinet. Right now, there's like 12 people in the cabinet, but there's only three. There's like mm. the the war, the secretary of war, mm-hmm. secretary of something else, and the secretary of the treasury. Right. And he picks Hamilton as the secretary of the treasury. Okay. Because it's like the money guy. There's the, mm-hmm. there's the fighting guy and the money guy. That's, that's all you need in your back pocket. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> the fighting guy um, and the money guy. And Hamilton's like, okay, here's the thing. Every single state, all these 13 little colonies that were... Pr- well, they're, they're now states because we got sure. a constitution, but they're colonies. All 13 of y'all have a bunch of debt from this war. He's like, here's what I'm going to do. All of you give the debt to the country. It's all now a national debt. Mm. He's like, now this is all one thing. They're like, oh, yay. We don't have any more debt as a state anymore. He's like, great. 
now you need to pay fucking taxes on this debt that we all owe. <laughs> and they're like, ooh. So he's like, so he's like, it's a power grab, right? He's like, mm-hmm. pull everybody together, get this power together. And so all of the soldiers that had had these pensions, right, up in these years had like sold it off to like investors because they were like, I have an IOU that says I'm going to get 10 bucks a year. For the last five years, I've gotten zero. Mm-hmm. I'm starving. I'm going to just sell it to somebody. Mm-hmm. And now all these investors, these rich investors are now like, what are you going to do, Hamilton? He's like, I'm going to raise some taxes and pay these investors their oh. their money. So so now all of these soldiers who like basically never, ever ended up getting paid and mm-hmm. sold for pennies on the dollar what their like actual pensions were worth. Yeah. Now Hamilton's like working out the systems to pay these investors who were living in the cities. Hamilton has, this is like the big moment where the money system of today is born. He's like, Hamilton's like, all right, we got three things. I've been reading a lot of fucking books. I've been doing a lot of math. I'm like, I'm going to make myself the seat of power in this country. Here's what it's going to be. You got a bank. You got something that's going to actually literally print money, a mint. Mm. And we're going to do taxes. You give me those three things. He's like, I'm going to fucking own this place. And yeah. sure enough, first bank of the United States he starts. So this is not the first bank in New York that he started and like he owned. Sure. But he's like, we're going to start a separate first bank of the United States. Okay. And that is going to be this thing that can be the bank of the United States. People are like, what? what? What do you mean? Just to pause here, this is a big moment. Hamilton is proposing something that is now called the central bank. There, we, we still have a central bank. Yeah. It was changed in laws back in like the 19 teens mm-hmm. to be different, but it's called the Federal Reserve. The I'm cent- familiar with that. The idea here is that there is a bank that is in charge of money. I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound ridiculous if you're not familiar with it, right? But imagine if we picked a person in the United States, right? And we're like, hey. Don't trust him. None one, of them. Pick one person. Not and you're like, hey. One. We're going to give you a superpower, and you can just, like, make money out of thin air. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, to be fair, money's fake. Sure. But the reason money is fake <laughs> is because we, we essentially a person pick a person to make money out of thin air. To make money out of thin air, right? Mm-hmm. And... There's different levers, right? So, like, we are vastly simplifying, but, like, you can... Yes. Hi, welcome to Meet Your Heroes, the yes. reductive podcast where you don't learn anything in depth, <laughs> but you definitely don't have to Google this yourself. Yes. Trust me, as somebody with a with separate degrees in both political science and economics, I can mm-hmm. tell you, like, basically, we pick somebody and we say, you're going to have this bank and you can set numbers in place and at some point, just invent money out of thin air if you decide we need it. And Love this, it. this is the system, basically, that Hamilton is starting by setting a central bank in place at this point. Now, at, at the earliest stages, no. Hamilton's central bank could not just invent money out of thin air, but they could basically invent money through other means of like setting interest rates. And eventually, this progresses into what we have today. I mean, but, what could go wrong? Yeah, well, so here's the thing. Here's the craziest. I'm going to get to the craziest part of this is that Hamilton is, is from the beginning. The thing his system has in common with today's system mm-hmm. is that this bank that's going to be able to invent money or like set this policy and do everything. You would think like, oh, this is going to be a government bank, right? You'd be like, the government has this thing that like makes money or doesn't make money. It makes more money or less money. He's like, no, this is going to be owned by some fucking bankers because oh. you know what Hamilton is a banker. He's a banker. Right. He's like I'm going to I'm going to have this bank that can like have all of this control and I'm going to literally just give it to bankers. At the time people are like what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like wait wait you're just going to like give a few people in this country the ability to like create money out of thin air 
more or less. And at the t- he was like, yeah, 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 trust me, it'll be good, it'll be good. We got a, like a whole system. Thomas Jefferson at the time, uh, this is a direct quote. He, he said, Hamilton's financial system has two objectives. First, like a puzzle, it's to exclude popular understanding and inquiry. He's like, the goal is to make it so confusing people don't understand how this works. Because if they understood how it works, they would be up in arms. It's like, it's insane. Success. Yes. Did it. Nailed it. Yes. 100% check mark, A+. Great. You're like, why why would you give the ability to create the government's money to some individual citizens? It Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. Second, it's a machine for the corruption of the legislature, right? He had the opinion that a man could be governed by... Only two motives. It was either force or his own self-interest. And force, Hamilton observed, right, was out of the question in this new country. Therefore, of the members that had to be, like, held on to and controlled to keep the legislature together with the executives, with all this grief and shame, you had to acknowledge that the machine of his money was what had the effect. Mm. So even in this, the birth of the government, some members were found sordid enough, you know, uh, sloppy enough to bend their will to the interest of these powerful controls instead of the public good. As a result, the ultimate effect of this is going to be like shaping the things in a way that like sustain the system. Mm-hmm. But the actual like ideals we talk about in all of these founding documents are going to be secondary to the actual way that this gets done, yeah. which is much more related to what is still in present day, literally, like the people who own the Federal Reserve Bank are J.P. Morgan Chase, Citibank, Bank of America, right? Like literally, they, they own great. they own stock. They're private com- private companies with private shareholders that own stock in the things that like control the machinations of power for our current government. Hamilton consolidates this debt and is like, okay, the last step in this process is we need to make taxes on people. Where's this tax going to come from? They decide it's going to be whiskey. Mm, rude. And extremely. <laughs> um, whiskey is not an accident. So there was no real money, right? He's just like basically starting this whole myth. There's no American money yet. So, so for a lot of the Western parts, and by the way, the West in America, quote unquote, at this time is like Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. You haven't even crossed yeah. the Mississippi River at this yeah. point, right? But I mean, like, we talked about that in the um, the like King George episode, right? Yes. So there's yeah. the the line through Appalachia. Yeah, the West is Appalachia, literally. Yeah. Um. But at this point, there's, since there's no money, the money is basically whiskey. Like, there's a bunch of things you can trade and barter, but whiskey is a very reliable way to be like, eh, this is going to be the thing of value. Sure. It's almost like if you are a colonist in the late 1700s, you wouldn't want to experience reality all the time. <laughs> yes, that's, <laughs> that's fair. That would be a very you, popular product. You've been through a war. You had to sell your pension for pennies. Like, there's just... You know, some things that when the sun sets, you don't want to think about. In addition to the fact that it is a popular product for all those reasons, there is this bias to choosing whiskey as a particular Mm -hmm. source of this, which is that, like, if you're rich living in the cities, if you're one of these founding father types, um, you're okay with it. But whiskey is like the lifeblood of a lot of these people on the Western Appalachia side. And so... This is this is the tax that Hamilton proposed. It's the very first tax. And he's like, let's do this one. And it is basically a tax on like these small rural producers. Right. It is a tax on the outlying areas of people. Cash was always in short supply on this western Pennsylvania Appalachian front, right? Okay, so those folks and myself have a lot in common. 
Yes. Never oh. have cash. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Essentially, then, if if you tax the whiskey, you're ta- it's an income tax. Yeah. By any other yeah. word, right? Um, so small scale farmers, they basically like. It also happened to give big tax breaks to the larger distillers. So if you run a big whiskey distilling company, you you basically make out like a bandit in this. It's the small mom and pop shops that get taxed with this. A lot of the historians here, so William Hodgelin and Wythe Holt, who Holt did a lot of research on this, uh, owe some credit to, um, they, they make the case that Hamilton actually chose this specifically because it was a tax on these people that were not in the cities, not these, like, big business people. Like, of the mindset that, like, you could choose between how are we going to raise this 5% to pay people, it's going to either be across the board or it's going to be more on the working class. Hamilton yeah. was like, fuck all y'all. We're going to do it on the working class of small people because they don't have the power to, like, do anything about it. Mm. Uh, and he did. Um, it, it did things like it forced uh, searches of homes. Like, if you they thought you were hiding whiskey, like, the soldiers could just, like, bust into your home and do this. People do not love this, right? So, like, mm. Hamilton is, th- you know, in his early 30s, 34, he makes this He's decision. He's only 34? 34, and making this call to, like, be like, this is the way that we are going to consolidate this power. We're going to, like, we consolidate the debt. We're going to consolidate the ability to, like, control the money in a central bank. And we're going to consolidate this tax. This is the tax we're going to use. And he is like sitting large. He's like, yes, my threefold plan to control the systems of power in this new country, like coming to fruition. Also, by the way, at this peak of his like government power, he also starts a uh, an affair with this twenty three year old Maria Reynolds. Um, I mean, okay, yeah, right. Unsurprising. Unsurprising. It's like a cliche. We'll come back to this, but like this is a big Listen, deal. You're rich. Your wife's at home taking care of your eight kids. Eight fucking kids. Yeah, you're like you show down, you show up there, and you're like, this is a real bummer. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. I I don't enjoy this. What do I enjoy? Twenty mm, three year olds. By the way, if you watch this this music this musical, um, the musical portrays this as if she literally just shows up to his house and is like, oh, uh, my husband left me. I just need some. I just need somewhere to go. Can I borrow some money? And he like takes her in and then they have an affair and if you read the history you find out like that's exactly what fucking happened he was an idiot like literally <laughs> she just showed up at his house and was like yeah. oh, my husband left me can you help me and he's like here's some money and then takes it back to her boarding house and like hey well I could use money or... anyway he gets extorted so over the next couple of years as soon as this happens he's at the peak of his government power and this sure. whole time he has sex and then the husband finds out Uh-oh. and the husband instead of like challenging him to a duel mm-hmm. which is customary is like oh. How about you, you're rich, right? How about you pay me a thousand dollars? And then mm. every so often, when the family's hard up, how about you wife, pay me a thousand more? The wife will show up again, and the husband will be like, "Hey, no duel, but how about you pay me a thousand more dollars?" So, like over the next couple of years, he's Yikes. like super powerful in government. Sure. But every so often, this woman, this like twenty three year old, shows up at his door, and is like, "Hey, how you doing?" Well, she's not twenty three every single okay. Time well, over she's the years. yeah, but started yes, out at started 20. out at twenty three, and then every couple of years. Whenever this happens, the husband's like, hey, how about you pay me $1,000? Yikes. And the husband, yeah. I mean, like, it's a hustle. But Hamilton keeps falling for it for like a year. I mean, he then he doesn't have to duel. I mean, he, he doesn't, doesn't have to duel. he doesn't have any cannons at this point. What's he going to do? He's involved in a lot of fucking duels, though. Here's the thing. He's <laughs> like a hothead. Yeah, he's involved in like seven duels okay. during this period of time. So, like, the isn't, dueling... Isn't that kind of like the climax of this story? Well... We're going to get there, but, like, <laughs> he's involved, even before his later duels, he's involved sure. in a lot of duels. Anytime mm-hmm. anybody looks at him sideways, he's, like, fucking duel. He's, like, a number two at a duel for, like, three or four times. 
Okay, like, so to me, this feels like not only the institutionalization of a central bank, but also of toxic fucking masculinity. Yeah, I mean, where you're just like, hey, I have money and a sword. Let's do this. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I think if the guy, this wife of Maria Reynolds, James Reynolds, had challenged him to a duel, he'd been like, oh, yeah, fuck, it's on. Yeah, I'll, I'll duel anybody anytime. What you want for this? Yeah, go for it. But the fact that he doesn't duel, he's, like, paying it off, it's a, it's a interesting, like, the fact that somebody even offered him that option is interesting. Mm-hmm. He's clearly getting hustled. Um, sure. And, and he he's willing to. for Maria? Does he, like, actually like her? Or is it just, I mean, we don't really know. Well, but I'm so just curious because we actually, it seems like... We, we kind of do know. It seems like he's going out of his way to not kill her husband. Yeah, he, it's... Honestly, if you're if you're trying to like set up the machinations of power for a brand new country mm-hmm. and somebody's like, "Hey, two options. You could duel or just pay me some money." At this point, he's richer. He's got more time. He's got more money than time at this point. He's like, mm. "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> sure. It's just uh, a really funny binary. More yes, money than time it's and, true. and time is a duel. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um okay. So, while this is happening, the farmers in Appalachia are getting fucking pissed at this whiskey tax. Hell yeah. Let's go. Um, going back um, to quote some of the historians as we talked about earlier, the the landless, frustrated, displaced, and poor folk were the bulk of these whiskey distillers, mm-hmm. and they became the whiskey rebels. Most of them uh, were the sons of people who like didn't own any land. Mm-hmm. They were basically like... Some of them were Revolutionary War veterans, but they basically had lost everything. They had not gotten the pension they were promised. Um, there were mechanics, laborers, the owners of the stills that were too small and the farms that were too small. And they were like, this is unfair. Sure. So this is like the most democratic portion of the populace. This is not the seat of power. And after several years, they start like tarring and feathering Uh-oh. tax collectors. Yikes. Not to make them sound like uh, perfect people here. They were all still generally white. In their protests, they wore blackface a lot of the time, uh-huh. which is apparently some English tradition that's racist in ways I don't even comprehend. I don't know why it started, but like they were working class people who were like, fuck the aristocrats who were like starting banks and trying to control the seat of government. You're going to charge 5% income tax on this and like storm our houses looking for whiskey. Fuck you. Hamilton is like, this is the chance. We've got the money. People are fighting back. We are going to turn the army on the American people. Mm. They get 12,000 troops. This is more troops than fought in the entire Revolutionary War. I was going to ask, I I don't know if you know this, but like what the population of the country was at this point? Yeah, I don't know the exact population of the country. But what I can tell you is that it only took 12,000 troops to win the Revolutionary War. Sure, sure. And yeah. the fact that yeah. the as soon as you win this freedom mm-hmm. in the cause of a democratic fight... If your government is immediately willing to turn those troops back on the population themselves, it tells you something like the democratic ideals that we talk about in the Constitution are not being practiced in the purest way, right? Oh, yeah. Like the no, people are uprising here. Equitable. No, the people are uprising and be like, this is, this is a, we are the vast majority of the population, right? right? Like we are being sold out and they're like, fucking turn the guns on them. Hamilton sets up shop, does interrogations, like grand juries, like arrests people, drags people out of their homes, throws them into like, it's the middle of winter. They throw them into like mud pits, leave them there for like multiple nights. Oh, God. Um, 
they they don't have the evidence, right? So only, ultimately, only two people end up being convicted of anything, and Washington pardons During both these, of like, them. During these insurrections, yeah, this this whiskey mm-hmm. rebellion, right? But basi- whiskey rebellion is a specific term. Yes, so this is the whiskey rebellion, okay. and, and the whiskey we just rebellion. We haven't clarified that yet. Yes, and I knew that was something, but I wanted to make sure that we clarified that is not just a whiskey rebellion, but is specifically like the whiskey rebellion, which is a set of events that occur at a specific time. Yes, mostly in Appalachia, it is people rebelling to Hamilton's new tax to try to fund this new government that he Got has it. consolidated the debt in. Got it. And when and when they do, he shows up with fucking guns, more guns than they fought the mm-hmm. entire British Empire with. Right. People retreat. There's what there's no armed resistance to the American soldiers. Mm. So like the the Appalachian people like retreat to the hills. There's nobody fighting right. them when they show up. Right. But they still like drag people out, do these like show trials like they end up only finding two people to com- to convict, but still, it is this like Hamilton saying, "I have made it. I came from nothing, and now I'm part of the seat of power, and we will fucking crush you yes. if you fight against this economic order we're going to impose that is going to place you at the boot of this and make you the subject of this new entity that will then control the debt and control the taxes, sure. and then ultimately like control the salaries of the president. Yes. It's essentially like King George, molasses tax, stamp tax, all of these things that prompted the revolution are yes. now just being replicated by Hamilton. Yeah, and you can see why people were like... good. Yeah, you can see why people were like, oh, you're a Monica sympathizer, because he's yes. like trying to like say, like this is what was working for the people in power, mm-hmm. and like they fucked it up, but I bet I could do this better. And, mm-hmm. and he tries, and mm-hmm. he does his best. Hamilton's 40... He's been the Secretary of the Treasury. He's set up these economic systems that will define the American political system for years to come. Mm-hmm. James Reynolds, who is the husband of the woman he's been fucking on the side. Maria. James is arrested for counterfeiting. And all of a sudden, somebody finds out that Hamilton has been paying this counterfeiting dude money on the side for several years. Uh-oh. So what it looks like is the Treasury Secretary is, like, making secret payments to a counterfeiter on the side. They're like, this whole thing is corrupt. What's going on, right? Like, it's, it's going to blow up his whole legacy. With the prospect of having payments to these, like, shady people on the side, he's like, it's not what it looks like, not what it looks like. They're like, what is it then? Mm-hmm. And he's basically like, all right. And he burns it to the ground. He writes ah. a 100-page pamphlet. He's like, here's the book. <laughs> I was fucking his wife. <laughs> He's like, I was fucking his wife again and again and again. Right. Each time. Here's the dates. Oh. Each When each date, here's the payment I made to him because he was going to duel me. But I was like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> so I was like, I paid him this money. And then she was like, cool, we'll take the money. And then she did it again. She came back and then I kept doing it. Did he father any children with Maria? No. So as far as we know, no children fathered. Okay. Um. He's but, like, because I have these very specific dates. Yes, so he's like, I, yeah, I can tell you. We can run this backwards. <laughs> like, I kept very good notes here. Right. But basically, there's a lot of people that say, like, this is mainly the the biggest reason that Hamilton never became a president. Mm. Uh, because. And he had those aspirations. Potentially, right? He could have. He liked power. He was the number two of Washington. He yeah. did a lot. Um, but given all this, like, this is the first sex scandal of American politics. So if you're wondering, like, oh, sex scandals in American politics. Again, straight line, Hamilton. <laughs> here you go. Kicking us off from to the be jump. Fair, I feel like it's like the idea that there's any sort of novelty in sex scandal in any industry is naive. Yes, I mean, like, like the, the idea is that if you have something you don't want people to know, if if you yeah, you if corrupt you, a system to protect yourself. Yeah, if you want to keep it a yes. secret, right? Like then there's this element where you are willing to take these 
take these uh, actions to try to like protect yourself. Absolutely. And that is the part where for a while he is complicit in this. A few years later, he's 43. This 1800 presidential election comes around. Mm. It's not going to be him, clearly. It's Adams versus mm-hmm. Jefferson. Okay. Jefferson did not like Hamilton at all. Jefferson was like the, I want small government. I want the states to own everything. I want to basically have an agrarian slave-based society. Mm-hmm. And Adams was of Hamilton's same uh, political party, but Hamilton really didn't like him either. Okay. And basically, so Hamilton actively works basically to defeat both parties at the same time. He's like, okay. I don't give a shit anymore. And uh, they do the votes. And at the Electoral College, after all this, Jefferson is basically Adams from Hamilton's party is not going to win. But Jefferson, at this point, you still voted separately for different people. And whoever had number one votes were president and whoever had number two were vice president. We, we change that later on is in the amendments. Is this the second Adams? So it goes Washington, Adams, Jefferson, oh. Adams. Is this Adams first or Adams second? Oh, I think this would be Adams It would have been Adams second, second yeah, yeah, right? You're right so you're it's right. John yeah, yeah. Adams' son. Mm-hmm. John Quincy Adams. Yes. Yes. At this point, Jefferson and, and Aaron Burr, his running mate, no. are tied. Here we go. Uh, and so Burr, Burr and, if you watch the musical, Burr and Hamilton go or way back. Or Drunk History. Or Drunk History. That's your <laughs> much better source. Uh, Jefferson and Burr are tied after, like, and, and Jefferson and Burr are tied after 35 ballots. They go back and vote 35 no. times. And nobody's fucking there to break this tie. No. And they can't These do it. These are people. These are individuals having to come back to the ballot yes. 35 times. Yes. These electors point, are 35. At this point, it's just like three people from each And they're just like place. fucking loathing each other, right? right? And they're not changing. No. And at event- this point, it's like identity politics. Eventually, though, somebody's going to make this proposal that Hamilton gets on board with that's okay. going to hand Jefferson the presidency. Okay. So you know Jefferson and Hamilton hated each other, mm-hmm. really? The they fact hated that, like, Burr more. Ultimately, Hamilton hated Burr more. Yeah, is gonna fucking piss off Burr to the no end. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, something like that. Enemy, <laughs> enemy is my friend. Yeah, basically, like Hamilton backs Jefferson as the lesser of two evils, mm. and Burr's fucking pissed. Been there. Burr a few years later runs for governor of New York. Mm-hmm. Hamilton like works to defeat him again. Uh oh. And Burr's fucking pissed. Eventually, Hamilton like in this like social society. Uh, an environment like at a party or something called let it slip he thinks Burr is despicable mm. and that is just fucking too much fighting so, words yeah so after having done seven duels one of Hamilton's sons died in a duel previously that Hamilton like instigated no or just it, separately sure so, so now he's only got seven kids yeah Hamilton only has seven kids because like kids have died in a duel but still Burr challenges him to a duel he accepts he does it again Hamilton and Burr duel. Burr shoots Hamilton. Hamilton's paralyzed. Uh-oh. A few days later, dies. Burr destroys his own political future because he's fucking killed the first Treasury Secretary of the United States. As a country, when Hamilton showed up, we were fucking nobodies. Mm-hmm. By the end of Hamilton's reign as Treasury Secretary, the United States had, could borrow money just like any other country in Europe, had, had a good credit rating. And had also managed to institutionalize a lot of the same anti-democratic systems, economic and power systems that had plagued those countries and done it in a way that like in particular, like uniquely betrayed the ideals of American democracy in a way that no other country had ever done. And look at us now. Look at us now. Only 220 years later. 
We've learned so much. Learned so much. We've evolved. Definitely probably not going to have a duel in November. Fingers crossed. It's 2020. We might have a fucking duel. Who fucking knows? <laughs> that might be November surprise. Wow. All right. That's a lot. I knew only the duel part of that. Yeah. Yeah, the duel the duel's interesting, but it's is not it's not the most important thing. It gets played up a lot. Yeah, it does. Did he have a good cleanup crew? Oh yes. Incredible cleanup crew. Okay. For the rest of her life. So his wife went on to like champion a lot of social causes. Mm-hmm. She, when she destroyed a lot of her own personal correspondence and particularly fought and fought to have his biography published mm. for years and years and years. She was the champion of his cause. That she wrote, somebody wrote his biography that she like authorized or he authorized? She had his letters. She pushed to have Got his it. letters published. So and primary like, source. Yeah, right. But but frankly, the thing that she was up against and the reason that Hamilton up until now has not really been a bigger figure in American political history is because Jefferson was fucking president and his party was like, Fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. And so they basically made sure there's no monuments to Hamilton. There's none of this other stuff. And so Jefferson, like, we have uh, we have a history written by the opposing political party at the time. Yeah. Uh, and he was never president either, so, like, that helped a lot, too. Sure. Uh, but his wife really fought for him, tried to clean him up. In two thousand early 2000s, a biographer went and really combed through some of the original source material and wrote the first really big... Um, biography of Hamilton yeah. that like went back to the original islands where he was born wow. and that is the book that Lin-Manuel Miranda read and inspired him to write the musical which brings you that which brings you here which brings you everything you probably ever wanted to know pew pew America happy birthday America Ugh. Stay Gross. classy. Boo. <laughs> There's some good stuff in that constitution. Here's what we need. We need a new constitution. Mm. We need a new constitutional convention. Put it on the record right now. Yeah. We're, we got to, like, clean this shit up. There's a lot of improvements we could do. Mm-hmm. Now's the time. We should start thinking it through. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm making the prediction right now. New constitutional convention. Let's start over. Get this right. Right. If you have ideas for this constitutional convention, please put them in the comments after you give us a five-star rating. Yeah, five-star rating. Put and your constitutional put your convention. Constitutional. If you have delegates you like nominate, put them yeah. on your... Once you follow us on Facebook and Twitter... Uh, then we're not can, on Facebook. Oh, sorry. Instagram. Put them on Twitter and pretty yeah, Facebook. Twitter preferred, but... Twitter, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, go ahead. Just rate us, review us, share, subscribe, and then proposition us with your constitutional convention ideas convention ideas delegates mm-hmm. amendments top to bottom preambles we're open to all of it everything you got because we have nothing so start from scratch give it to us let's do this right America there we go until, until next, next week. week jinx don't be a hero don't be a hero bye bye